Uh, hey, up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Uh, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, uh, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to do is create a safe, welcome place uh, where everybody's invited. You can come on in. And the safe place is a place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts, feelings, travel, internal or outside noises, you know, the past, present, or future, uh, something physical, something... What are any myriad of things, uh, uh, bring them by, set them down wherever's comfortable, and come on in. Because I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night here. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing meanderwear. Uh, patent, patent, pending. Well, patent, pending. Patent, filling out a patent, finding out what a patent is. Patent, pending that. Then pending probably some sort of onerous application process if it involves doing anything. Uh, I'm okay. How about this? I'm wearing meanderwear. Imaginary patent pended. Imaginarily patented. Completed. Approved. Uh, which gives me me you know helps. It's like it has that compression stuff, and copper and magnets like the stuff on TV. Also, like uh, from, you know, the times I collide with particle colliders, it it has still, uh, oh, dark matter. Like, that's all in my meanderwear, which unfortunately is, uh, that's probably it for me having any other kids, you know, but any, that's probably it anyway. You say, you, you, are you sure Are you sure there's not anything with half-lifes in your uh, meanderwear? I say, well, for sure, if, if, if I've been wearing them. Yeah, I don't know what, you know, the long half-lives or whatever. Yeah, you're right about that. I don't know what that means, but I'm still acting like I do. So that's meanderwear. I thought I was going to try to, like, uh, creaky dulcets, meanderwear, meanders, over-descriptions, as you just witnessed. Uh, And if you're new here, welcome, by the way. I think I said that a few times, and I mean it, because I've been there. And I know a lot of people are having trouble sleeping for a lot of different reasons, seasonal stuff or current stuff. And I hope I can help you. Now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody. What I do hear for a certain pretty big percentage of people listening is it takes a few times. Like, uh, initially, I might get on your nerves, and then you'll realize, like, whatever's lower, whatever's less than harmless uh, you say, okay, so like, let's run through some creatures. And you say, well, that doesn't sound very harmless, Scoots. I said, well, we're going to work our way down. Like, are you the like, kind that live uh, in, a, in a, you know, the chair are close. You got birds. Those are pretty harmless. Most of them. Raptors, birds of prey, even those are mostly harmless. I mean, probably the most, har- you know, ones are with the, the ones that go to the bathroom a lot, which I don't know if that's a seagull. I mean, we've gone about Canada geese, but they don't drop it. They just leave it. Let's not get sidetracked by bird poop. Uh, I mean, this early in the podcast or ever, you know, let's just keep Let's just come up with a BPP, bird poop policy right now. 
which unfortunately my brain's not. I said, let's try not to talk. This is really like if you could hear my brain talking like four seconds ahead of when I talk, it says, please, let's not talk about bird poop. Scoots, seriously, don't talk about bird poop anymore. I and mean, I'm not kidding. Like I was just saying that, and now I'm saying it again. Don't say it again because it's not exactly sleepy. Not exactly unsleepy. I mean, I guess say the obvious thing. You wouldn't want to sleep in it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Not harmless. Annoying. I'd say it's an irritant. Um, so that's so you'd say, okay, so birds are out. I'm, more, I'm less harmless than birds. Mine are irritant. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, you're right. You got me brain. I couldn't get you to stop saying bird poop, but you're willing to totally, you know, you, you got me. Pardon my zinger is, uh, what was his name? Uh, now I can't even remember the, Mr. Burns' assistant's name, but that's embarrassing. Uh, forgetfulness, I don't know. I think I'm in the middle of describing why I'm harmless, but you'll learn. I mean, Milton? No, it's not his name. Smithers, Mr. Smithers. Actually, that's one of the few impressions I can do. I haven't done it in about 12 years. Mr. Smithers. Can't do any other Mr. Burns except for that. You know, that's like, uh, it's a weird skill I had. Mr. Smithers. Like I can do, how did this become a routine? I did not mean for this to happen. I'm sorry. But I can do, uh, I, I won't do, I can do, I think I can do one thing, Eddie Vedder. But I can't remember what that is. That definitely wouldn't be for a sleep podcast. I can do Lord Commander, Stannis Baratheon. That's only Stannis. So it's not like an impression, except it's like two word, two word impressions. It's like a, one of those pound signs. Uh, hashtag uh, two day career. Two word. Uh, who else can I do? Miss Piggy. But that's too loud. I can do her saying hi, yeah, and then I almost can do where she uh, gets grouchy with Kermit, something-something-frog. Uh, this is a character that doesn't really exist anymore, Yogi Bear. Uh, I could do, uh, even that was the first impression I could do, and I realized, I said, well, that's strange, and this isn't really a useful skill, because all I could say was, uh, hey, boo-boo, and I tried to, that's not the full impression, so don't roll your eyes, please. Uh, the few Yogi Bear fans that uh, exist today, but I said, I mean, this was this is how you end up making a, a boring podcast, which would be like, uh, and this isn't a this part is not like a, a routine. This really happened. I mean, I guess this would be like fitted in the category. Why do you make a boring podcast? Well, you know, there's people that do impressions, and there's people that don't do impressions, and then there's people that are terrible at doing impressions. And there's people that are awesome at it. And then there's people along the spectrum. And there's people that, uh, you know, use different uh, ways of making their impressions better. And we've all seen that dude on YouTube. Uh, that was like three or four years ago. When I was a young boy, I learned that I could do, I, I, I learned I could do, hey, hey, boo, boo. So it's four words of Yogi Bear, uh, Yogi Bear, who was popular when I was little, a cartoon character. But I couldn't do anything more. Uh, and it's not like, just like I can only whistle in. And believe me, I've gotten so many emails saying, here's how you whistle out. It's a genetic, I can't whistle out. I can only whistle in. And I could bet you, and this is how stubborn my subconscious is, it wouldn't be me. 
But if we came up with like $40,000 to hire some sort of uh, imitation coach or whatever, okay, this is the person that works with Saturday Night Live, Scoots. He's going to teach you a whole Yogi Bear routine. I'd be like, well, thanks. That's like, let's just burn that 40000 because that's totally... But even if we, in Stannis Baratheon, that would, even if, the, so I don't know anyway if it would, who was the first person? Miss Piggy, that would be cool. So that one, but it would still be 40000 not well spent because the teacher would totally have some sort of break with reality and say, you know, I spent six months with this kid and he can only still say hi yeah and forget about it, Frog, and then he laughs and then we go through. So it's just a weird thing. Uh and I've had to adapt to disappointments like that, like uh, the highs of uh, realizing you can sound like a cartoon character and the lows and the baffling low of saying, oh, wait, I can't say any other words. Like, uh, no wonder I compartmentalize so many things in my life. You, you believe that? And I know for a sliver of the audience, this will make perfect sense. The people that like so everybody else just pretend this is a... a um, a very confusing metaphor. Okay, let's just I'll just give your brain a second to try to. Um, ideally, that'll just cause your brain to shut down, and you'll say, "Well, I just better go to sleep because this is not making any sense." But let me give you now that it's too late the TLDR version. I can do very few impressions. When I can do an impression, like it's it's only a few words. Like Antonio Banderas, I cannot really do that, uh, but I do. Like I can. That's probably the most range I have. In that, like I have to make sure it gets out of the studio within two minutes, otherwise it'll like all come off the rails. So I guess the TLDR is it when I can do an impression, it's usually four words or less, and only the same four words. I guess I just like to burn those pathways into my brain and then keep them, you know, like really thin uh, pathways that are, you know, I, I don't know. They tell me this brain's plastic, but, you know, mine was kind of plastic that got left in the sun or something. But anyway, you adapt and then, like, look at, look at the pleasure. Some people are already asleep. Some people are laughing with me. Some people are identifying and saying, hey, I can only... Uh, jump rope with this certain brand jump rope so I can relate to that or you know I can only skate with these kind of you know there's few you know so there we go we're creating this is a global village you, you know the misfit toys had to live somewhere and uh, they, they, not that you're all misfits you're the best kind uh, you're used uh, so I'm glad you're here I guess that's my message so if you're new here holy moly it's a podcast to put you to sleep. I, I guess I didn't say this earlier. It's a little bit different, and strange, and silly, and I'm a bit of, I'm a bit much, and I've seen that in the reviews sometimes. It's well intentioned. Okay, that's the main thing, and you're under no pressure. You're no, you're not under no pressure or obligation, and obviously no expectation that you're gonna that this is gonna work for you, or you're gonna you know you're gonna like me. Give it a few tries though. Because I make this show uh, to try to take your mind off of stuff and help you fall asleep. And I really do hope it works for you because obviously with the brain like this, uh, you know, I, I can't, like, it's not like a, like when I'm lying there at night and I, and I can't sleep and I'm starting to feel down. I can't say, I can't, like, I don't have that, uh, I can't say, well, at least I still have my 
wide range of uh, uh, 1980s and uh, characters from GOT that aren't with us anymore that I can, you know, that I can just wow people at parties. It's like, well, I can only say, quote, Commander. Um, and I can't do anything else, but, but so you, but you, like I said, we, we take, you take, uh, I don't know, you take lemons, you make lemonade. That's what you do. And, and in this case, it's, this, it's like melatonin laced lemonade that's supposed to put you to sleep because I got meander. Did I mention I'm wearing meanderwear? It still makes me laugh inside. Like it just pictured a little, me as a little boy saying, I'm wearing meanderwear. Uh, so I guess my main message always is I'm glad you're here. You're under no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for an hour, like 45 more minutes or so, giving it my all, uh, much like a car that won't start in the, the dead of winter, you know, that kind of, you know, like all, uh, to take your mind off stuff. Cause there is a percentage of listeners that don't sleep to this, but listen, uh, for companionship in the deep dark night. And that's one of the reasons I give it my all to the very end. Uh, so as I would say, as I've said, you know, like I really hope this helps you uh, fall asleep or take your mind off of stuff. And I'm glad you're here. I appreciate your time. Uh, and let's uh, keep the show moving. Uh, hey, everybody, Scoots here. And I was thinking of uh, like it's the holiday season, right? And you got your holiday specials. And I always seem to miss out on the holiday specials, the t- TV specials from when I was a kid. I think most of the TV specials that were on when I was a kid were ones that were older. And, you know, as we had, we saw with, uh, what was that one, Charlie Brown, I had, like, mixed feelings about The Great Pumpkin. And as I did grow a new level of appreciation watching it three times. And I kind of struggled, to be honest, with what I would do about, uh, like, the holiday specials. Because I said, well, and then there's this, this is a strange one, as, as you know, you, you know who's talking. Uh, but without controversy, I believe the the, the subject matter. Well, yeah, without controversy, if you said to me you can't watch any how like this would be easy. This is like no debate, and you'll probably be surprised at the answer. But if you said to me, uh, "What's the only ho- like if I could take away every holiday special and, and you can only watch one?" This would be the one it is, and it's not technically a holiday special though it's associated with the holidays. Or check that. For me, it is. And also, when you, when I, you know, one of the luxuries of making this podcast is really being able, I think I've overused parse out stuff lately, but it, this really gives me an opportunity to dig my hands into the loamy sto- soil that is my experience as a human being and take a look at it and wonder why. And as I wonder why I have such an affinity for the special, one of the interesting things is that because it isn't a holiday special, I don't think it's tied to very much nostalgia. Uh, because of the, the actual nostalgia it is attached to, as I rewatch this special multiple times and I pay, bought it, uh, and we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, is that the only nostalgia I have is for the exact reactions I have as an adult watching it and saying, I remember watching it as a kid and appreciating the same things. So, so it's not a, it's not a, I don't know, a lot of times with nostalgia, it's like, a, 
the memory associated with specials falling into a slot for something else, like whether it's security or pleasure or something not directly associated. I guess in my way, kind of like projection, like when you like uh, you're projecting something onto the special in associate or association. This special I just like, and I as a kid I just liked it. I, I think, and I think love maybe. I, I agree. I have great, great, great affinity for this, and it's the, and even if the thing is confusing because it has two titles, and I always knew it as Babes in Toyland, but the technical name of this movie or special—it's not a special; it's a movie. March of the Wooden Soldiers, Laurel and Hardy's March of the Wooden Soldiers, Babes in Toyland. Is I think the technical special and and so like uh, and you there are places to watch this for free. I don't know if it's in the public domain or not. And I did purchase it. Now, unfortunately, like I was going to purchase, I was going to try to put, purchase a colorized version, uh, just to add another layer of debate. But I purchased the black, the original version. But that's just that's great. I'm glad about that because uh, the only reason I was going to buy the colorized version was this extra layer of um. Something or other. And I can't remember the first time I saw this. Now, you know that I'm a great fan, or maybe you don't, um, of Laurel and Hardy. But I don't, like, my, my mind doesn't create memories uh, the way probably people with good memories does. So I can't remember all the Laurel and Hardy I watch. And then the Three Stooges. I'm not a huge Abbott and Costello fan. I can't tell you why. I do appreciate them. Uh, but as far as comedy teams go, I'll take a look, like, a, a, I mean, the Three Stooges is, I guess that's a team, but that's more of a threesome. I mean, if I had to, to take Laurel and Hardy versus Three Stooges, I don't know what I would do. That would be, you know, a dilemma. But if you put it up against comedy duos, uh, for me, unless there's something I'm not thinking of, it's Laurel and Hardy all the way. And I think it, like I realized in this one, it's because uh, like Stanny and I, I mean, we we share we share a lot. I mean, including I look a lot like him. I guess at times I think. Uh, so that's the special we're going to be talking about. And depending on the time, maybe we'll explore some of the thematic stuff. But mostly we'll just be going through a run through. And I'm going to do it the same way I did the uh, Charlie Brown one. For Halloween, which is that I watched it twice, and then I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be doing a, like a like a pausing and playing it, which is another luxury of buying it and then being able to download it. Uh, so there you go. Get a digital. You know, there's a, a tip of the week. Get a digital. I think I could probably link to affiliate link to this special too. But uh, you know, do a download. I, I don't know who the money would go to though, in this case, other than. But whatever, you know, we're standing. So, so let me see. Just for anybody, so this is really old. This episode, this movie predates me. It's a black and white movie. I have no facts in front of me about it, and I'd rather just get into the 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 meat of it, and then maybe we'll talk about the facts later. But it stars uh, people that are in the credits and Laurel and Hardy and Laurel and Hardy. Um, are the, I guess they're technically, I guess they technically, are they the stars? I don't know. You don't want to get too technical. And I don't know if this was like, uh, if they carried the movie. There are other versions of this movie. There's one with Annette Funicello that I've never seen, I don't think. 
And then I think in the 80s, there was another one with a lot of famous TV people, maybe some people that are like ultra famous now. I don't know. I didn't Google it, but there was another version that I that I, I watched, I think even the first time it was broadcast. But uh, for me, I don't know, like I really like looked at this as neutrally as I could with like and uh, I'm not saying this is perfect. I mean, if you get into the plot and the story. But I, I did find, for the most part, my attention did not wane. It rolls in at a, like a brief like hour and 10 minutes or 10, 17 minutes maybe. Um, one thing, I might as well talk about this up front, that I was blown away by, and this is out of ignorance, but like is the sound. Like when I know how hard it is to record a podcast, and this is like whatever year, 2016, uh, I don't know a lot about the movie sounds in these the black and white days, but how they got to the sound of, of the of the dialogue, I don't know. In the singing, there it, it's not a musical, but there is singing and wonderful, wonderful music. And uh, this, like, uh, this does have some um, things in it that will like that, that I wonder. Uh, are they, like, I haven't had time to investigate. That would be the second segment of this podcast if we have time, is to investigate some of the things, like, uh, you know, they may, be, may, may have been, like, uh, insensitive at the time. I don't know, though. I haven't investigated deep enough to say either way. And some of these may prey on some deeper-seated, uh, uh, what do you call it, like, uh, so this is a kid's movie, but I, I don't know what age you'd have to judge. There's not really any adult themes, but there is uh, like stuff that would stir a kid up, but we're an adult. So I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd watch it at bedtime. And, but the level of comedy in this, especially the physical comedy and just some of the jokes and I don't know, this was like, again, I don't, I wish I, like I got to listen to, uh, uh, you you must remember this just to like see like I guess to rehash my knowledge of these period of movie making. Uh, but this was a, like one of these spectacle things because it seems like most of it was filmed on like one giant set, uh, like a giant giant soundstage, like almost a theme park level soundstage. Uh, but let me pause it here because this is going to be a tough one because I have two sets of notes. And I'm going to be playing the episode, so so I'll be doing my best to keep the paper sounds out, but I'll be right back. Okay, as with all things with this podcast, for some reason I can't locate half of my notes, so I guess this won't be linear, but that should be fine. That'll give us some even more stuff. Uh, but the music starts, with this, which is one of the more famous parts about this, and of course this isn't a music podcast, and music wakes people up, but it... Uh, it's like fanfare type music, which is one of the great, one of the reasons to love this. So the music starts, then there's like a, uh, then there's like the MGM lion, but also to the left of the lion is an NRA symbol. Uh, not for that NRA, but I don't know what the National Recording Agency maybe or something. I don't know. And then we get uh, like a hint of what we'll see at the end of the movie, which is these toy blocks that say Hal Roach presents Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy. And there's two toy soldiers. It kind of looks like a nursery room or a playroom, uh, two toy like British, like the Beefeater style soldiers. 
and the music's playing. I think this is, I can't listen to the music, obviously, and, and do this at the same time, but at some point it goes into this March of the Wooden Soldiers theme. Then we see this book comes, or no, it's a box. It says Victor Herbert's Babes in Toyland. So I'm guessing Babes in Toyland is the music that preceded this. Oh, yeah, because it's composed by Victor Herbert, and uh, the books and lyric are by Glenn McDonough, and the camera pulls in as the credits start, and more credits run. And then pretty soon, it's playing in front of me, but the Babes in the Toyland book will appear. And then we see, I thought it was the old woman that lives in the shoe, but I think it's Mother Goose. I don't think it's old Mother Hubbard, uh, but I, you know, I don't know all of my uh, nursery rhyme women. Who's on Cleet's book? Who's on Cleet's book? I don't know what that says, so I'll have to keep an eye out on that. Oh, who's on the cover of the book? There are two toy soldiers on the cover of the book, Drew. And she comes out of the book, but a real human. And she's singing, When you've grown up, my dears, and are as old as I, you'll often ponder on the years that roll so swiftly. A beautiful singing, by the way. Beautiful. I don't, I don't know the credits, of course. By my dears that roll so swiftly by. And the camera's pulling in, and she's singing to the camera. In all the many lands you've journeyed through, this is the closed captioning I'm using, you know, a little behind the magic. Oft recall the best childhood land your childhood knew. And she's such, such lovely singing. Now we get this high tech, like we get high effects here because uh, she opens the book here and there's like a, a movie screen or a TV within the book. And I mean, this is a long time ago. And this also marks a very important part for me because this song, you want to talk about an earworm. I'm not even going to come close to singing it. But also like a song, if you want to improv it, uh, like uh, the song to Toyland as a mother goose or whatever. And she's also wearing a witch's hat. I don't understand that, but I think it's probably good for the rain, like a conical hat. But we have this. So the first person we see is a little bow peep who lost her sheep, uh, and like I said, this is picture-in-picture. Uh, picture. I mean, I don't know what year this is. Like, And that's how ignorant I am. I don't know if it's 1920, 1940, 1950, 1960, uh, but it's old. And uh, Mother Goose is singing. Or, no, she's not Mother Goose. Maybe she is. Then we see Tom Tom, the Piper's son. So we get the uh, the love story. Then the little old lady who lived in the shoe, she's the uh, motherhood, the uh, matriarchy influence, and she has all these kids. Then we have the villain, Silas Barnaby, the meanest man in town, and he just goes, walks right up to the camera and stares right into it, and he's very good. Then uh, tertiary characters, Hey Diddle Diddle, the cat and the fiddle. It's a life-size, human-sized cat playing a cello, it looks to me. And then an imitation Mickey Mouse, which I have not investigated what it is, probably because it like uh, it's just but the, the mouse will talk about a lot. Three little pigs, Elmo, Elmer, Willie, and Jigs, and they're dancing. And they seem very happy. And then our heroes, uh, Stanny Dumb and Ollie D, like to sleep as you could see. So this is the perfect setup for the sleep with me because they're in bed together. They both sleep on their backs, and they seem like they share the bed well. 
and they're doing the old effect where they sleep and there's a feather going up and down and they're breathing in and the feather's going back out. And the second time I was watching it with a nine-year-old and she was saying, oh, I wonder if that's on a string. I said, oh, thanks for ruining that. Uh, but the feather effect is they snore, and then at some point Stan swallows the Stanny in this movie, swallows the feather, and he starts, like, giggling in his sleep, which wakes Ollie up, and then the Toyland music is still going. And then what we do is we cut to the town dancing. We see these cities, just a lot of stuff, city gates. You see windmills. You see people fishing. You see school caps. I don't know what that means. Then Mother Hubbard. Then my pen ran out of ink. Mother Goose uh, battling ballad bio or something. Little Miss Muffet. Then some garden girl. I don't know uh, what she, she what nursery rhyme. It seems like a lot of the characters are from nursery rhymes. Uh, then we had the kid, Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. I, I don't know if it was him or, or it was a kid that had stuck his thumb in a pump a pie. Oh, but now you can see the set. There, there, it's like a setting in the mountains. I think there's a maypole and people are, is that what that's called when you have the ribbons around the maypole? And there's still singing going on. There's a pond in the little, there's, oh yeah, there's like this strange uh, character in all the fishing and the, all the kids are gathered around uh, cheering on the fishing. Oh, then the uh, cops say, everybody in school, get on your way to school. Uh, and, the, oh, yeah, the school is like, uh, even everything's themed. Even the school it, uh, has a book, a book. There's somebody that lives in a, uh, oh, there's a balloon man going off to work. He sleeps, he's got a little balloon-shaped house. Oh, there's little Miss Muffet sitting on her tuffet eating her curds and whey. Then there's this garden woman. I don't know her. And then the guy sticks his thumb in a pie. I don't know if that's Peter Peter Pumpkin Meter. Then a great rockabye baby on the treetops. I can tell you this for sure. No boughs will be broken in the making of this movie or this episode. It's all good for the baby. Uh, then crumpets. Is there a crumpet character? Someone leaving a wood, wood windmill with her crumpets. She's got candy cane fence. And then this freaking cat and mouse. Now, the mouse, I don't, like, this was one of the things that boggled my mind as a child was the mouse. Then the three pigs, it looks like the three pigs are going to school, but they live independently. One of the pigs is brushing their teeth, the one that lives in the straw house. Other pigs are saying, come on, let's go, let's move it here. And they head off to school, and they kind of shuffle. And you want, I mean, this is the old day. So, and then two mimes are, yeah, mime clowns are jumping over each other. Uh, a milk person. And then now we have the old woman that lives on the shoe, in the shoe, sending the kids off to school. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf at some point? I don't know what that, maybe that's just a song. Oh, yeah. A jack, two jack in the boxes. Two leapfrogging people that we talked about. Too many kids at the old woman's shoes house. She's Bo Peep's mother. She's calling Bo Peep. Your children will be the death of me, she says. And then Bo Peep says, oh, mother. And then she says, hey, don't lose your sleep. And then the villain Barnaby shows up at the front steps of their house. And he's got the villain song. I don't know if it's from Peter. No, wait, he doesn't show up here. My notes are wrong. 
She's getting her sheep. Oh, no, there's Barnaby with flowers. And first he says, hey, Miss Peep, how about I date your daughter, maybe marry her? Uh, he says, she's charming, little Bo Peep, Miss Bo Peep. And he, he said, can I pay my respects? And she says, uh, she's tending her sheep. She ain't home. Hit the road, Barnaby. And he's kind of like the crooked man. Like, he takes his hat off. He's got flowers. And this this is really, really good dialogue. I'll probably say it. So he offers flowers. He says, a fragrant token of my deep devotion. She says, good. She's very polite to him. A fragrant token of my deep devotions. And she says, thank you. She's polite but cold, uh, trying to maintain her boundaries. And she says, well, I got to get to work. You know, I'm dealing with the sheep. And he says, nay. He goes, I've gazed out with wonder on you. And uh, he's, he's kind of being a sleazeball. And he said, in short, I'm asking you to become my wife. She takes a breath, a deep breath. And she says, I'm sorry, Mr. Barnaby. You know, I hope you don't take this as ungrateful. And he says, well, I'm rich, by the way. Did, did you know I'm rich? And he, she tries to do the old uh, building rapport by touching her arm. And then he says, you know, there he goes, he goes I'm going to win my wife. And she goes, I wouldn't marry you if you were honest, which you never were. If you were about to pass away tomorrow, which is too much to hope for, and something else, too. And he says, well, you're going to be singing a different tune. And then the sheep uh, bee, bee bleats, and he goes, bah. And he, like, almost like bah humbug and storms off. And Bo Peep looks a little, uh, and then she can't find her. She's fleecy or curly. She calls for a sheep. And then Barnaby goes back to the house, and he says, you're late on your mortgage. You know, that's his other means uh, to her mom. And he says, you better get on, on top of it. I'll be back. You know, uh, you know, I'm manipulating the uh, your socioeconomic conditions. Then the siren at the toy factory blows. Two whistles in the mouth of a a big face, and uh, which is really cool. I'd like to, like steam whistles. Uh, we see it's almost 8 o'clock, and Mother Goose, or who, old woman shoe, my mother, uh, she calls up to the boys to, for work, and then we see uh, Ollie first. Ollie comes down. He says, good morning, Mother Peep. She says, good morning, Ollie. He's got, like, a lot of patches so we, on his clothes, so we see, okay. And then we hear a crash, and we get our first dose of comedy because Stanny's falling out of a window off screen and has to knock on the front door. And he comes in. We see he's also got patches, and he says, uh, How'd you get down here? He goes, oh, it went out the window, by the way. He says, hey, Mom, what's up? I think it's never established that they're her kids. And then he's, he goes, Stan goes back upstairs. This is like this kind of uh, this repetitive thing he's got, which is amazing. This is another reason just to watch the movie is these uh, these peewees. But then also Ollie sees Mother is sad. And she says, well, Barnaby's, you know, trying to foreclose. And he says, well, she's, I got some savings upstairs. Stan, go get my my money jar. He goes, I'll uh, pay off the mortgage this month. So I don't know if they're actually her children or they're like they bore, you know, they they live there. But this is like, uh, I always thought Ollie was mean-spirited, but he he's grouchy, but he's very generous. So he says, I'll pay for it. Don't worry. Uh 
which may be why, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, I guess I always kind of thought of him as having a little bit more, but I guess that's uh, Shemp, or not Shemp, uh, Mo. But then Stan comes back down, and, and this is a funny part uh, that I won't reveal, but he brings the money box down. Well, I will reveal it. He says, uh, and it's empty, of course, and he says, uh, I owe you dollar uh, forty-two. I think. Let me see what it says. But there's humor. Dollar forty-eight. I was close. Stanny dumb, D U M. And he says, "Yeah, I borrowed it." He says, "I know you borrowed it. Uh, what'd you borrow for?" Now that we don't have anywhere to live, he said, "Well, I need some more peewees, which are these things. I've never seen this toy before." But it's like you hit it with a stick, and it's kind of like a boomerang. Uh, it's amazing. Just in in some of the way it's used in the movies, worth watching. And on the rewatches, you know, they're probably using some camera tricks, but also you see that Stan is actually hitting these things. Like you hit it, and it flies up, and then you hit it again like a baseball. But Stan, then we get some more comedy because Ollie says, hey, I'm going to go I'll borrow the money at work. You know, I'll ask the toy maker. You know, we work at the toy shop. I'll, you know, we're, you get some good, real good jokes in there. And and then that's like the audible jokes are topped out with more physical humor. And then they get out front and then we get a little comeuppance because he says, what's this peewee business you've been spending all your money on? And man, just watching these two physically, it's really, really great. Uh, and so Stan puts it down. And this is really impressive. Like, wow, I don't know how they would have. Oh, maybe it was on a string, maybe. I mean, when it's doing the boomerang, it's clear it's on a string. But uh, good physical comedy. It's also, like, uh, just watching their stuff going on in the background I just saw. So uh, whatever that's called where, uh, you know, there's visceral stuff or whatever. And then Ali says, well, whatever you can do, I can do better. Uh, so, and Stan's like, yeah, good luck. You got to hit this thing on the ground, bounce it up and hit it. It's not going to happen. And then there's so much in here. I can't even reveal the different funny things and just watching. And if you've got a kid, if if you have a nine-year-old daughter, there's really a lot of giggles. So it's another level of visceral enjoyment, laughing with your child while watching and it pretty much stood up. I mean, she mostly, I think she did pay attention through the whole thing. We took a break in the middle. And Ollie can't do it, which kids like when the know-it-all tries to do something and humiliates themselves. Non-publicly, just the two of them. And he gets really mad uh, that he doesn't have the same physical skills as Stan. And then Stan says, well, let me show you how it's done. And uh, then he, uh, he he accidentally knocks Barnaby's hat off. Uh, let's see, peewee business, physical humor galore, knocks off Barnaby's hat. Barnaby comes, he comes after them. This is when he goes into the camera. He catch, catches him at the toy factory, breaks the peewee stick. Uh, he blames Ollie instead of Stan. He removes half of Stan's, uh, Ollie's mustache, which is uh uh, terribly rude. And then they're late for work because uh, they've had so much, you know, they've been trying to help and then they were playing around. And another funny thing, and this is stuff I do all the time, when, you, when you're late and you try to sneak in all smooth and then they knock like a bunch of stuff onto uh, a drum of all things. So then the boss yells at them, says you're late again. 
and they work in Santa's toy shop. Uh, probably like Santa's like subletting these because this couldn't be, this is a smaller operation, I guess, but this is toy land. But maybe there's multiple toy lands. And their job, they're painting uh, a bunny. One of them is painting a wooden bunny, and another one is painting a wooden horse head. Like for one of those horses you would ride around and pretend, I think. And then they they have a little dialogue exchange where Stan's pressuring Ollie to ask for the money. But, you know, the boss is in a bad mood, so Ollie tries to use the, like the old opposite rule on Stan and say, well, he likes you better than me anyway, so Stan then it backfires. Uh, what does this mean? Toymaker has a gate home to shut them up. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, his toy maker has a gate home to shut them up. Uh, but Stan goes to, Ollie goes to ask after Stan entraps him. And then he says, you know, no, 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 no. Get back to work. And then Stan gets so nervous. Like while Ollie's asking, he's playing with a toy train, which he drops when the toy maker gets mad, which knocks paint off and spills on the toy maker. And then, of course, the toy maker's wicked annoyed. Uh, then we see Bo Peep, who can't find her sheep anywhere. And she's looking and looking, and then she's kind of sad and defeated. And then we see Tom Tom. He's singing. Oh, no, just some singing dude at first comes. And, and Is it Tom Tom? I don't know. In these notes, it's not clear. And they ask Jack and Jill, and then they ask Red Riding Hood. And the more I watched it, the more I, like, appreciated this song and how it really grows. Because uh, Bo Peep's looking for a sheep, and the the, the uh, chorus of the song go, goes, Don't cry, Bo Peep, don't cry. And then this community comes together to help her look for the sheep. Slowly, characters and characters uh, come together. They seek low and high. Uh, Mother Goose, Miss Moffat, never mind Bo Peep. That's another chorus part. Uh, really, really great music. I guess I got to look and see if I can listen to it online by itself. Uh, but you know when the musicals and the chorus is hitting hitting it together, it's really good. The whole town at some point comes together. Even the mime clowns are participating. And then they have this thing where the soldiers are going ba, ba, ba. And everyone's calling for the sheep, and uh, like the the they go they walk to the pond at the center of the town, and the voices are going back and forth. Uh, excellent, excellent musical stuff. And then there's uh, a little comedy, like because it's like this thing, this ongoing issue she has with how long it takes her to find her sheep. Uh, and then what happens is then what's his name Tom Tom? He makes he he, he says. Uh, he says, well, geez, you know, uh, you need some help finding your sheep. It'd have to be like uh, uh, the most unusual, resourceful, energetic, uh, uh, have a way with any mouth of practices. Uh, but it's really cute, actually, because uh, he's trying to, to kind of seduce her. And she's playing off like, nope, not interested. And he's like, not even a little bit. And it was really fun with my daughter, too, the second time, like, because uh, they're crossing their arms and looking away. And you know what's going to happen. And uh, they ba they look back, and then they kiss. And then it actually was really, I saw, I saw it at least, it was uh, 
I think he says something to her. I'll have to find my second notes or wait till. But then they kind of like, uh, I mean, I think there's an intonation, even though it's public and in the center of the square. He says something somewhat alluring, and she says, yeah, okay, sounds good. And then we see just her toes kind of rubbing together, you know, like her toes are curling of the toes. And I don't even know if in the 1930s, you know, just, uh, I mean, I guess a big kiss can, can curl your toes. Oh, and i watching them walk through the town now again, singing, Mother Goose is right with them. Uh, but then, it, like, uh, they pull back the camera, she sighs, and they hug after, you know, like a post-coital thing. And then the sheep are there, and, like, the camera pulls back, and the whole town's there watching them. And uh, everyone's laughing, and uh, she kind of shames the sheep. She says, she's, what are you doing? And then Tom Tom says, hey, this is the future Miss Piper, by the way. We're going to get married. And then there's this big party because uh, everyone's celebrating. The three pigs band's playing, and the cat and the fiddle are playing. And even the cat shakes the mouse's hand. This is at 36, this is tw- oh, 26 minutes. This this is the WTF moment for me. Twenty. If you only watch anything on this, it's at twenty six minutes. Because uh, they still don't know how to make any sense of this, so even as a child and as an adult. Uh, and I, I think it's probably unfortunate. I said, "Geez, did they stuff some sort of uh, primate into a mouse suit?" Uh, but but if you like seriously, this is like a there's like a couple of gifable moments or gifable moments in this. And this is one of them. So do yourself a favor because you can get it on YouTube. 26 minutes into this one, uh, the cat's playing, the mouse is clapping, and then the mouse just starts rolling around on, like laying around and rolling around on the ground. And uh, it just doesn't, it just, it's just mind boggling. And it's kind of funny and strange. I mean, because they could have cut it out of the movie, obviously. So I didn't, like, I still didn't know if it was a special effect or as a trained animal, uh, but it's just, it's just awesome. I mean, it's just awesomely strange. Even my daughter, this was the second time she saw it, but it's been a few years. She was like, "Kay, what's what's happening?" And this is in front of the Toyland Inc. Company, and then the mouse like does what mouse and cats do, like just like Tom and Jerry throws a brick at the cat. Uh, then Santa comes. Uh, Santa, this is when you get your ho- little dose of holiday. And Santa's mobbed by the kids. And he's, he's, Santa says, well, i got to see the toy maker. Then we see the cat is chasing the mouse on the roof uh, as Santa goes into a, a toy workshop. Okay, I'm watching the cat and the thing. I still don't know what's happening. I mean, the cat is definitely a human. And the cat's are really jamming on the fiddle. Uh, but I don't know what is happening with the mouse. And uh, it's like the mouse goes into fugue state in some strange way. Okay, but then we have Santa at the shop, uh, the, toy ma- the toy makers, you know. And he says, I'm here checking these toy soldiers. I want to see the ones I ordered. Is everything on schedule? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Ollie and Stan show Santa the wooden soldiers. And then we have the great music, the March of Wooden Soldiers music, as Stan and Ollie bring, or Ollie brings out a life-size uh, 
like a toy soldier, like six, seven feet tall. And Santa says, geez, I ordered 600 soldiers at one foot, not 100 soldiers at six foot. And Toymaker's like, who took that order? And Stan's kind of like, ooh. Uh, which brought up the issue of, like, how does Santa call in orders? You know, like, uh, is he calling there? And saying, ho, 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 I need a... Which would be hard. I mean, you're on the phone with Santa. That's going to be stressful. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, let's see. That's, like, uh, let's see. So they get Finder Anston. Oh, they get fired. Man, my handwriting really went off the rails here. Santa, oh, like, the soldier even knocks into Santa, and Santa falls into a drum and laughs. Then they get fired. A disaster? I think maybe that's a, oh, another, this is another mess, fine mess you've gotten me into. He doesn't say that, but uh, he says, uh, this is another disaster or mess. Oh, this is another mess you've gotten us into. He does say that. And the soldier's on the loose, which is foreshadowing alert if you're taking notes. Oh, then Santa laughs and falls in a drum. Oh, no, Santa's laughing the whole time, I guess. Is the toy shop's totally destroyed by the soldier. And then the boss, this is a good one. He calls them blithering idiots, uh, which was great. And then Stan goes, uh, Ollie, aren't you going to ask him for the money? And he goes, oh, boy. And then, uh, you know, then we have Bo Peep at her mom's house. She says, good news, Mom, I'm marrying Tom Tom. My may nothing... Uh, happen to mar your happiness, I think she says to them. And then dun-dun-dun, Barnaby shows up to ruin the day. And the mom's pretty confident, though, because she's like, he's like, I'm here for the mortgage money. She goes, oh, the guys are just getting off work anyway. So she's expecting Ali and Stan to save the day, and they roll in. And she goes, well, I got the money, haven't we, boys? And then uh, Ali made a mistake. He says, uh... Oh, Stan says, Ollie made a mistake. He said, him and the toy maker are just like that. Uh, uh, Ollie tries to pick Barnaby's pocket, but there's a trap in there. He says, big bait catches big rat. Uh, And he says, uh, like, uh, oh, Ollie and Stan uh, also say, we'll get that old buzzard after Barnaby leaves. And then, like, Barnaby's listening while they're talking trash about him. So then Barnaby uh, kind of, uh, uh, I guess clunk, that's not a bad word, like clunks a stan. And this is Jiffa Giffable moment number two, 33 minutes, right around 33 doubles, 3330. This one I watched, I could watch it a thousand times. This is so good. It is such comedy gold. And I don't know if this was a happy accident, how many times they shot this scene uh, but this is 33 minutes into this movie, 3330. Uh, like, so Stan's been hit on the head and Barnaby leaves and Stan wakes up and then Stan says, uh, open, you know, they're talking about they've been defeated by the villain. Stan says, open up that window. And he picks up a rolling pin and then he kind of does the thing he was doing with the peewees with, uh, I don't know what it is. Let me get, let me forward it here. Uh, but Barnaby's walking away down their thing. Yeah, so he grabs, uh, oh, a spoon, a big spoon, and then, uh, like, a rolling pin, and he whacks it out the window. 
and it, it eclipses Barnaby, but Barnaby falls like so perfectly. I mean, you want to talk about, I don't even know what pratfall means, but uh, one of the greatest pratfalls I've ever seen, like just takes this uh, great comedy dive because like, he totally wasn't expecting it. I mean, I was feeling like a shod and Freud, uh, like for my schadenfreude or whatever you call it. Or, yeah, schadenfreude city. I mean, I was laughing at it. Then Stan does this famous move where he itches his head with his whole hand, uh, which is always funny. Scratches his head. Then the scene cuts, and then we have this sneaky sound at the warehouse, and Stan is in disguise. And he brings this big present, which has Ollie in it. And he says, uh, take me to Barney's house, Barnaby's house. It's like this big Christmas present. And this was just funny because it was ridiculous. Like Stan rings the bell at the house and Barnaby says, who is it? He's got like a candle and a stocking cap. And he says, oh, Stan says, me, Stan, I got a Christmas present for you. And Barnaby says, I'll be right down. And he says, yeah, bring it on. He goes, well, this is nice of you. And he says, yeah, we want to apologize. Uh, but then there's a reveal, which you should just watch for yourself, uh, which gets Stan and Ollie busted because, uh, uh, like, for burglary, they, they get sentenced to dunking in exile. And Stan, Ollie says, good night, Ollie, because that's how Stan, when Stan was leaving, Ollie, the whole idea was that Ollie was going to steal the mortgage. He was hidden inside the box. Once Barnaby went to bed, it said, "Do not, it's July. Do not open the present till July, Christmas. So he would sneak out of the box, get the mortgage, and then Barnaby would know until the holidays, you know, how they got them, you know, or maybe, I don't know. Uh, but they get busted. There's a old King Cole, is, I guess, I think that's who was in charge of this village. Uh, what are we waiting for, says the king uh, King with the pipe. And then, so they're going to dunk Stan and Ollie in the lake, or the little town pond. And uh, so Ollie goes first. He says, hey, Stan, hold my watch. I don't want anything to happen to this. And then we have a pretty long sequence of Stan, of Ollie getting dunked, and, like, just physical comedy, which is really good with Stan's reactions. Uh, it's pretty over the top, and then, but in a good way, especially for kids too. And then uh, stands, then the, then, but then uh, Bo Peep's so upset that they would be exiled that she says, "Do you know what? I'll marry Barnaby if you don't exile my brothers or my, you know, friends." Uh, she says, "I'll become Miss Silas Barnaby." Uh, oh, also, so the, the comedy, though, at the end is that, like, so Stan was holding Ollie's watch, and then as Ollie gets out, you know, they say, well, you don't have to get dunked then, uh, Stan. And Stan says, Ollie, have a drink, and Ollie just goes to have a drink. Also, Stan's eating a loaf of bread the whole time, which is strange, or more just just hilarious, I guess, not strange. Uh, but, you know, then, like, so, oh, so I guess I'm trying to explain this joke, but Stan, Ollie pushes Stan into the lake because, you know, he's mad that Stan's not going to get dunked, and that's when, but Ollie has uh, Stan's watch. Okay, so then, uh, and then Ollie just raises his hands. Then it's wedding day, so it's this wedding day comedy with Stan and Ollie eating, and Stan's kind of talking gibberish. I don't know what that means, uh, 
And Ali's going to give Bo Peep away. I don't know if he's the best man or what. And Stan's so upset about it. He says, he says I'm so upset I'm housebroken, which was uh, funny. And he says, you can't turn blood into a stone. And he says, to Mother Goose says, I'm going to go talk to Barnaby. And he goes, well, you can't, you know, it's pouring one ear into another or something. It can't be done. I don't know. It's, you got to watch this movie. She's so good. Uh, the mom goes to plead to, please to Barnaby, like, uh, please don't marry my daughter. You know, she's got a shot at happiness. And he calls her fool, which is, you know, not very nice. Uh, but it's wedding time. Ollie shows up at the uh, the the bride. Tom Tom's watching through a window. You know, they, they go through the wedding, and it's time to kiss the bride. And then they say, have you forgotten something? And then Barnaby rips up the mortgage. And it's revealed that stands the bride. And Ollie laughs and he says, Big bait catches big rat, which was a great, you know, payoff from the other earlier joke. And, you know, Barnaby says, The king will hear about this. What does that mean, Olio? Uh, but the whole town, they start to celebrate. And everybody's dancing and, uh, uh, Tom Tom climbs the shoe to kiss uh, his lady, and then Ollie still dresses a bride. Stan still dresses a bride, and Ollie says goodbye, Stan. And he says, "What do you mean goodbye?" He goes, "Well, you married. Uh, he goes, you married him, so you know you're gonna have to. Uh, you know, it's good knowing you. It's just so funny." He goes, "I don't want to stay with him. I don't love him. It's just really funny." In genuine and not an offensive way, like where you just say, geez, are they going to make some kind of uh, like offensive joke here? They don't. Uh, it's honestly like to Stan, he's like, well, I can't marry this man because I don't love him. Uh, it's just hilarious. I, I don't know. Like in the just the physical comedy, uh, don't have to worry. What does that say? I think that's Tom Tom to, because he tells her, oh, he says, we're going to run away to some pl- a castle in Spain. He sings a, a song on the side of a hill by some G city. My daughter said, well, now Barnaby will know where they live. Uh, he plays like shoelace guitar, which was cute. Oh, side of a hill by Granada. And you know, Barnaby's mad. He's muttering into a mirror at his house. He says, so they think they can outsmart Barnaby. Oh, there's got to be something, got to be something. And then he actually, his, his uh, houseworker, Hits him in the face with a mop, and then yells at the guy, and he says something about pigs, and he says, oh, wait a second, pigs, and he decides to frame Tom Tom for pig napping. And this was part as a kid I didn't really like, but he goes and the goes to the pigs, and the, I don't know if the pigs have short memories because he's really like the pigs don't like him, and they try to hide. He can't get into the brick of the wooden house, so but he blows away the straw house. And he plants evidence at Tom Tom's house. In the, but then the pigs forgot because they're just sad and they're crying with a reef in front of their brother's house. And then we just see a proclamation, Tom Tom guilty of uh, you know, pig napping. And he's going to like be uh, like King Cole signs that it is King Cole, um, that he's, he's, he's exiled. And then Stan and Ollie are sitting in front of the police station. They're sad. They're talking. The cat's listening in, and they're talking about uh, 
you know, stuff that were archetype. Like, this is a lot of archetype stuff, like, they're like you know, about exile. I don't want to get too deep into it, you know, it's a silly podcast. But and the cat's listening in, and then the scat and Stan, or Ollie kind of play on Stan's fears. And someone even says, Tom, Tom, how could you? I think the king says that. And he says, I didn't do nothing. And he goes, well, what about the evidence? I don't know. In some days, since this was predating its time, like DNA, this, this is all planted. And then we, this strange thing happens. The police station, one of the cops goes out and kind of shakes his behind, like uh, like shakes his tail feather. And then he leaves the evidence with Stan and Ollie. And Ollie's like kind of like asleep and Stan's kind of eating the sausages, which were planted as proof. And Stan's like a sausage, like both these two are sausage experts, I guess, because Stan knows, he goes, this isn't pig, it's pork. And, uh, but Ali tastes it, he goes, yeah, so you're right, it's beef. And then he says, I smell a rat. What does this say? Barnaby, lots of quiet jokes. Uh, but Bo Peep's begging for Tom Tom's release. Oh, I think just uh, Barnaby's, you know, saying bad stuff about Tom Tom. And then Tom Tom's escorted out. They get on a mossy raft and they go into the swamp. And uh, uh, you, you see different creatures that live in swamps. Nothing, you know, nothing like, you know, like uh, nice ones, like cuddle bears and stuff. And then, oh, then Barnaby talks trash about uh, Tom Tom. Then Ollie and Stan come with Elmer. He was, they say, he was in Barnaby's cellar. And then the uh, city, uh, you know, everybody tries to mob Barnaby. And then the king says, I'll give you 50,000 Yeti or something to whoever catches him. Uh, Bo Peep heads out to the exile to save Tom Tom. Uh, Stan and Ollie uh, go after Barnaby. And then the, Barnaby goes down a well. Secret pass? Oh, he has a secret passage in the well, though, but Stan and Allie don't know that, so they wait him out at the top of the well. Uh, then Tom Tom and Bo Peep find one another, and they try to find their way out there in these kind of stalactite and stalagmite caves, and they start singing to one another. I think I saw a cypress tree. And then he sings like a lullaby, go to sleep, Bo Peep, and she falls asleep, and then, like, uh, this really weird sequence happens that uh, still doesn't make any sense. But these transparent, uh, like, like uh, I didn't know if they were, like, supposed to be, like, like what is that movie, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? I don't know what it was. Like, or gnome, like garden gnomes uh, or something. And then there's, like, a wizard. I don't know if it was the sand man, like, who throws, like, sand over them, magic dust, and Tom Tom falls asleep. Uh, but it just didn't, I don't know. I was like, what does this all mean? And then the wizard just, they all run off. And I was like, WTF, double question mark. Uh, then Stan, we go to the well and Stan and Allie are asleep at the well. And they're like, did he come up? And they're like, no, 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 no. And then, so Allie says, well, I'll just take him, take him out in the well, put him to the big farm. So he throws giant thing down the well and then they go down and there's no Barnaby. And then we see Barnaby, like, uh, defines the sleeping Bo Peep and Tom Tom. He says, hey, Bo Peep, come with me. And then kind of him and Tom Tom have it out in a, like, a little action sequence. Uh, Tom Tom lands this, like, glass jaw move, which was pretty good on Barnaby. 
Barnaby's got a cane, and then uh, Barnaby falls on a web covered in dust. And then Barnaby's so mad that, uh, like, he starts banging on stalactites with his cane. Or his, like, yeah, his wooden stick. And then uh, all these Care Bears come, but they're not, the, they're like the Care Bears. Like, remember there was one Care Bear, maybe it was a Care Bear movie. What are Care Bears? Good question. Caring bears, but these are bears that no longer care. I guess these are, like, the apathetic ones. The bears that used to care, I guess. Care bears were big, like when my sister was little. Like they were bears that cared for you, whether you, you know, if you needed like a smile or whatever, they, they were there to care for those because they lived in the forest of feelings. These apathetic bears, they don't care. The bears, that and they might be careless. There might be some of them that are careless too. Uh, but Barnaby raises his club and says, let's, let's, let's not care. Let's be careless and not care and leads them off. And then Stan and Ollie go through the passage into the caves in pursuit of Barnaby. And then you get kind of a classic chase sequence where you're running around corners like, uh, and people are crossing paths and there's all these different passages and, uh, everyone meets up, Stan and Ollie run into, uh, Tom Tom and Little Bo Peep, and then they hide, and then they sneak back through the well, and then they've escaped, and then everyone's in their pajamas when they get there, the whole town. Oh, maybe it's, it looks like children. I'm looking at the gnome sequence now. and Oh, but the wizard was flying. But the lizard, wizard does have a stocking cap on, so I guess it's like me. That's the, It doesn't make sense why the sequence is there even now. Uh, but everyone's in the PJs, and they're so happy that they're returned. Lots of nightgowns. Everyone's in a nightgown. But Barnaby and the bears that no longer care, They Barnaby grabs this torch, and they all have their torches, and they say, we're going to go to the city, and we're going to be careless in this city of caring, you know. We're going to counter the care with care. We don't, we don't care, and we're careless. Uh, so we'll see how you all fare, you know, without our care. Or something like that. I don't, I can't, you know. Uh, oh, but before they get there, Allie's bragging. Like, oh boy, did we do these Care Bears in. We showed them how to care. They were careless. We tied their shoes. They didn't care. We taught them about the issues, you know. Uh, they were apathetic and we appealed, you know, we appealed beyond uh, thought and, and, and to their feelings, you know, to the, the stuff inside. And he goes, we're heroes, kind of. And then they arrive, and Stan and Ollie run as everyone tries to run and hide. And this is kind of the pinnacle of the movie, because uh, all the careless bears, they come with Barnaby. They're up to no good. Stan and Ollie run into the toy shop, and the care, careless and the care, care, bears that don't care, they don't care. Uh, but it gives you a lot of good physical comedy. Stan and, Stan and Ollie grab some darts, and Stan does the thing with the darts with a stick. And he's doing so many, you can see it's kind of a camera trip, but he's still hitting the darts. And then the mouse uh, steals a Zeppelin with, uh, like, these uh, like extra-strength torpedoes, and then they start just taking... They they just start in, injecting caring into the they just start tying shoes I guess for the care bear, careless care bears, or the bears that formerly cared or whatever. You know, there's a lot of special effects like the mouse flying the zeppelin is a cool special effect. 
And the mouse saves the cat who's stuck on a windmill. And Stan is like total money with this hitting the uh, the, the darts of caring. That's an injection of, I don't know if it was, whichever the empathy hormone is. And this is, this is I mean, it's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of visuals in the sequence. Uh, uh, mouse, at some point, uh, Stan accidentally pops the Zeppelin and the mouse has a parachute uh, mother's mother goose's shoe or whoever the old woman's shoe is under siege. We see some pig teamwork, uh, and then Stan gets the idea for the wooden soldiers. He says, "We've got all these wooden soldiers back here," and then we get to one sequence that doesn't quite fit, but it makes sense. They have this stop motion sequence with all the the kind of special effects and a split screen, which is kind of advanced. Like there's spot stop motion uh, going by live action. And the wooden soldiers come to town, and they take, they take, they say, if you can't care, and I guess this isn't, the, you know, this isn't about right or wrong. This is just this movie. They say, we'll escort you out of town. I think it was more about the carelessness, though, than the not caring, I think, because they said, well, yeah, because there's kids here. Your carelessness is, you know, danger to the kids. So they say they escort all the careless bears out of town. Uh, also, I'm looking now the mouse, and even the mouse has pajamas, which is funny. Um, and the great music is playing, uh, and then they chase everybody out of town, and then there's one last comedy scene because they have a cannon full of darts of uh, the empathy. Uh, what did I say that was? A hormone? And they say, let's give them one parting shot. Uh, and actually, the parting shot ends up stands in charge, so it, of course, gets Ollie. And Ali has so much empathy now that he can't, he can't even be grouchy at Stan, which was, you know, wonderful. And then it says, and they lived happily ever after. And it's, I think that's the end. And I guess the movie clocks in, it looks like at around 117, 118. And uh, I've been talking for like an hour. It looks like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to watch the end is, uh, uh, it's just like a lot of everyone's laughing, and it says, "Yeah." And they lived happily ever after. At the end. It shows Mother Goose flying on a goose uh, over something, and then it says the date. And let me see. I just rewind. Like, uh, oh, nineteen ninety-one. That was when this version came out. Oh, that was the color version, which this was not the color version. But anyway, um, and that's uh, March of Wooden Soldiers. Uh, Laurel and Hardy's and Walt's Walt March of Wooden Soldiers. Good night. I want to do some thank yous over on iTunes for the reviews. Caitlin K33, Addicting Be Warned. Uh, stumbled on this 2 a.m. when I couldn't fall back asleep. And now I go to sleep with it every night. If you're like me and you need something to drown out your mind racing, it's uh, much harder to keep thinking with this on. Thank you. And then Kirstar, uh, uh podcast is genius. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Mitchy 77 from the UK, blessed sleep, found this podcast was a bit dubious about its ability to work, but it does. Tried to listen to the radio and other podcasts, but usually end up so absorbed I stay awake and get cranky. I don't think with this one I've got to the end of one podcast yet. Thanks, Mitchy. Uh, Ashley0982 from Canada says... Uh, even if you don't have insomnia, I don't have issues falling asleep, but as a mom, I sometimes wake in the middle of the night for no reason. I have trouble falling back asleep, not anymore. Love is a voice and love the way it lulls into the back of my mind as I drift off.
Uh, thanks, Ashley. Digital turn, digital urn, uh, with the heart. Digital urn. To every digital urn, urn, urn. Uh, love. Uh, I love this podcast. Narration is great. Voice and tone. Stories are funny and cute. Lullabies. Perfect to listen to. I've had bad ringing in my ears. Can't see in silence. It's great to forget the anxieties and other things that prevent you from falling asleep. Thanks. Thank you. How about Dime of Air? Uh, brilliant uh, podcast. Helps fall asleep. I don't know how he has the perfect blend of boring and funny. Enjoy the episode so much I tend to listen during the day. Thank you, Scooters. Well, thank you, Dime of Air. Uh, how about a- Mommy Amy H., insomni- who's an insomniac no more, used to fall asleep to TV, canceled cable, looking for a podcast to fall asleep to. And some other ones don't work, uh, but I find I can't listen to these at all during the day because my brain's, brain's wired to fall asleep. But thank you, Mommy Amy. Uh, C. Williamson's 23, works, loves this podcast, really does work. I have trouble getting to sleep. My mind won't stop racing. Uh, this is distracting enough. I don't focus on anything but the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Andrew P. Uh, really likes to listening while awake now. He'll help you sleep. It took me several episodes to get used to his voice. Once you do, womp. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, stories are quite beautiful. Even the rambling. You're wonderful. Oh, thanks. This is really nice. Weirdest thing I've ever said. Love this podcast. Thanks. I'm laughing when I normally be stressed out. Well, that's my job. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, from one Andrew to another. How about a rosy sun from the UK? Love it. Voice is warm and comforting. Reminds me of my dad who used to read Simply Make a Beautiful Stories when I was little. I'm studying, uh, I'm abroad studying for master's in uh, this fact. It's like a lovely friend who helps me get away from the stress and loneliness and disturbing mind. Thank you for being with me. Well, thank you, rosy sun. Uh, from the UK, and then Lindsay's a librarian. Uh, thumbs up to the Pod Boy shows hilarious. We re-listen to several times. Several. Make sure we don't miss any stories. They love Bernie the Butterfly. I can't tell him that because he'll be get uh, out of control. Thank you. Uh, you yo. This comes from uh, Elmley Fluff. Podcast is super helpful and distracts me from bad thoughts, the most soothing things ever. Thank you, Emily. And so love this. He's clever and a smart host to listen for a long time. I wish I was in the <laughs> friend. Uh, thanks, Sequoia. That's, that's very nice. Oh, boy. Sweating now. So love this. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody for reviewing the show, and good night.